It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 and a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever the heck you want to do in your garden. And if you know what the heck you want to do in your garden and have a question about it, all you have to do is call me, 404-872-0750. I have my friend Paula White here this morning to talk about the Inspired Garden Big Perennial Plant Symposium coming up. When, Paula? When's it coming? February 25th. Pull that microphone a little bit closer to your mouth there so I can hear you. Say it one more time. February 25th. February. Atlanta Botanical Garden. Got it. And so at the Atlanta Botanical Garden, which is downtown, for listeners who've never been into downtown Atlanta because you live somewhere way out in Woodstock and Alpharetta and Milton and places like that, the ABG, the Atlanta Botanical Garden, is easy to find. It's right there in Piedmont Road next to Monroe, let's call it, because that's where the entrance is, off of Monroe Drive. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous botanical garden, and they frequently host um, meetings of various plant experts. And this is the Georgia Perennial Plant Association and their annual symposium. And it is once more February the 25th. February 25th. So that's when it's going to be. So you can set your calendar for that. Now, why would one want to come to the Perennial Plant Symposium, Paula? To be inspired, to think about spring, to learn, and to meet people with similar interests. Mm-hmm. We have a rock star lineup of speakers. Uh, this year, they all are coming from public gardens, but talking about a variety of things, from containers to winter interest plants, plant conservation, magnolias, yeah, yeah. and rock gardens. And rock gardens. That's why you say a rock star group of speakers <laughs> right there. And, and in particular, I'll tell you one of the topics that I... It just reminds me of what is happening right now in my garden, frankly, is the elegant Edgeworthia. Edgeworthia is blooming in my garden, and man, does it smell good! It's great. I walk it down, walk down the street, walk down my sidewalk. I see the Edgeworthia is blooming, the Daphne is blooming right now. All my neighbors want to know why does it smell so good around my house, and so I see that one of our speakers, Mark Washington Weatherington, excuse me, is going to um, talk about the Edgeworthias and Schaeffleras that do not go dormant in the South, but continue to produce and do something for you just about every season of the year. That'll be a bunch of fun. A lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, and yeah. we have a great silent auction as well. What kind of things do you have at the silent auction? Um, plants, anything that's plant-related, pots, soil, yeah. uh, consultations. Uh, it's a fun silent auction. I think the interesting thing about silent auctions, or about this one in particular, is that some of the nursery, small nursery owners who have very interesting, unusual, weird collector item type plants. We'll bring them in and auction them off and you can get something that nobody in your neighborhood has ever seen or heard of before. Exactly. That'll be a bunch of fun. All right, we'll talk more about that with Paula in a minute. Let's go back to the phones. We've got, uh, let's see, Lachelle is in Dallas, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Lachelle, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm great. How can I help? I want to know how I can get rid of Ficata Kilowatt. Every year, yeah. I get my lawn beautiful and green and lush, perfectly like I want it, and then 
I would say around July and August, yeah. these wasps bury in my, in my lawn, and they put these big red bounds all over my yard. I have put um, vinegar. I put... <laughs> you <laughs> pickle them. You pickle in the ground. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I've tried um, the um, Drano. Yeah. I've tried... Water with soap because it says it suffocates them. Yeah, they will not die. They just bit. They just make another mouth, uh. and I can't get rid of them. And when I put put something in one hole, they just build another hole, and then they're all over my yard. Yeah, and you know I'm really torn, Lachelle, because. You know how I'm going to respond slightly. You know that I'm going to say, well, cicada killer wasps really don't hurt anybody because they they're up in the trees God. eating the cicadas and bringing them down to bury in those those holes, which you find so uh, distasteful in your in your lawn, which I can understand, too. I mean, they're not little bitty teeny weeny holes. They really dig some dirt and throw it all over the grass and... That's sort of a mess when the cicada killer wasps are out there. We know they only are there for ooh, a month or so, but then there's Lachelle thinking, hey, hey, that's my lawn. I want it to be green. I don't want these mounds and dirt well, holes everywhere. It's horrible. Yeah. And then if you go outside, they're swarming everywhere because as soon as you get close, of course, the male cicada wasps are trying to protect the queen yeah. so you can't even walk outside without walking into a swarm of them and you you, you know i'm sure the operative fact about those males is they have no stinger right i mean yeah. yeah they're scary yeah they come zooming up at you but no they can't hurt you because they're just stingerless they have no, but, no way to but hurt I can't you sit outside during the summer yeah, yeah. if i was to go outside i can't go outside unless it's at night when they go to sleep <laughs> um, don't pay taxes, right. Lachelle, I'm going to try to split as best I can, do a Solomonic uh, decision right here. I don't want you to put poison in there. And not only that, but putting vinegar and bleach and Drano and things like that is going to hurt your grass more than it hurts the cicada killer. So cut that out. Um, okay. I honestly think that you could do a better solution simply by poking water, just drowning them in there, or at least driving them away to another part of the lawn or another part of the landscape where it's not so objectionable to you. Um, you got any kids anywhere around the neighborhood, 10 to 14 years old, Lachelle? Sure. You know what I would do? I would get a kid, and I would say, son, here is a super soaker water gun. I want to fill it up for you. I want to show you where the faucet is out here. I want you to be at my house every afternoon around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I want you to go around and just shoot the heck out of those holes. <laughs> fill them full of water from your super soaker. I will give I you... I have a super soaker that I have used. Well, huh? then, if you don't want to I employ a child, employ yourself. But go out there and fill those holes full of water because the muddiness of the soil in that area is certainly going to move the cicada killer away. They're not going to like that at all, being muddy. And the hopeful thing in my mind is that they'll move to some part of either somebody else's landscape that tolerates them better than you or some part of your landscape that you could tolerate them better than uh, where they are now in the lawn. I just don't want to kill them. I still think they're a beneficial insect, and there's not something that I recommend poisoning. So driving them away, modifying the habitat so they go in least objectionable places, that's what I think you ought to do. Well, if if I understand you correctly, they like dry areas. They do. What if yeah. to keep my lawn moist? That would I sure help, too, if you... Uh, 
you know, kept it irrigated. I'm sure they wouldn't like that nearly as much as they would like a drier bank or a drier spot somewhere else. Good. Well, right. thank you. I appreciate it. No vinegar, no bleach, no Drano. <laughs> Promise me. None of that I'm stuff. I'm no. a lot of money, so no. <laughs> None of that. Thanks for calling the show. Have a great day. All right. We'll see you. 14 minutes past the hour. We've got time for one more call in here. Dale. Dale's out in Bogart, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dale. Good morning. Hey, hey, Walter. Good to talk to you. I uh, it seems silly to email this question, but my, my father always said you plant English peas in late January and March. Mm. And I, do you use an ice pick? <laughs> in frozen soil yeah. you know I mean, honestly like, it's uh, a i was thinking the same thing i have a raised bed at my house that is my english pea bed but i think honestly it's a little early although it's warm as all heck right now it's not going to hurt anything to wait at least another week week and a half two weeks even to plant the english peas it's not going to speed things up because the soil is still chilly 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 right now and even though the peas can germinate in cold soil I still think you're maybe a little early, so wait till at least mid-February. We'll try it then. Yeah, I tried last year, and I was late in March. We didn't have much of a crop. Yeah, what kind of peas but, do you plant? Uh, just the little green English peas. Yeah, you know, I, you got any suggestions of a certain type? I'm, I love the edible pod ones, the ones that you can just snap off the vine and put it in your mouth oh, and yeah, yeah. chew yeah. them up and you don't have to spit anything out, no no stringy thingies on the peas. So I like yeah. them a lot. Um, yeah. So there's uh, sugar snaps uh, and there's several sugar babies and various other names, variety names for those edible yeah. pod peas. Those are the ones I plant. The other, the other question I had is I've got this old, uh, old-fashioned uh, grapevine. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's been dying off every year, and I've been trying to figure out a way to propagate it. It's a very unique, old-fashioned grape, kind of like a muscadine, but it clusters. Okay. And is there is there a way that I can cut sections of those five or ten foot strips that I've got left to hopefully bring it back to life? Yeah, you could take if you have a branch of it that's limber enough to reach the ground. If you have at least three feet or so of a branch that can fit, that can hit the ground. Then you can scrape it on the part that hits the ground, just scrape it with a little dull knife. Even go so far as to get some rooting hormone, although that's not absolutely necessary to put this powdered rooting hormone on it. But you take the scraped, dead, uh, scraped green part and put it in the ground in a trench about an inch or two deep, put a brick on top of that to hold it in place, and the Three feet that sticks out of the other end will uh, grow leaves, but the place where you scrape will grow roots. And by hmm, late summer, you can transplant that to a new place and have a pretty vigorous vine after that point. Uh-huh. What about actually cutting a limb and putting it in a pot? It's hard yeah. to get them to root that way. I mean, it's possible, yes, and if you had a greenhouse, yes. But you don't sound like the guy who has a greenhouse, Dale. So I think yeah. the soil layering thing is much more successful for people like you. Okay. Well, good. I'll see if I can get the peas in the ground. and. Uh, yeah, get the peas in the ground, get the limb in the dirt, and have something of both. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Dale. Okay. Bye-bye. It's 717. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. It was still September. 
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Right now, 30, no, 29.1 degrees outside. It's gone down a degree in the last hour or so. We'll go up another 20 or so today, up into the low 50s tomorrow, up into the mid to high 50s, 55 to 59. Overnight, the same thing, just right at freezing or a little bit below. Sunny, no rain. That's the way it goes. Still cold, but the plants are blooming right now. The flowering um, magnolias are blooming like crazy outside. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Speaking of flowering plants, my Daphne's are blooming right now. So, Diane in Covington, let's talk a little bit about your Daphne's. Hey, Diane. Morning. Whoops, wrong one, wrong button right there. Let's try this other button. How about this button right here? Hey, Diane. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I have a Daphne that's in full bloom, and I would like to cut some of the branches to bring indoors. Yeah. And I was wondering what's the best way to do that. Paula White, can't you just cut them right off and bring the flowers, the little flowering spikes inside the house? Yeah, I can. Yeah, <laughs> I, so Paula, I don't want to kill it, though. Paula, you've done that before, haven't you? Walter, as I said to you, I think a second ago, I'm afraid to grow Daphne's. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> Me and Diane, we do it all the time. Exactly. I want to know how. Well, uh, Diane, to answer your question, I don't see any way that you're going to hurt the plant by taking small individual branches off with the little fragrant flowers, and you won't need many of the branches to smell up the whole house. That's true. So, uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why you would not cut little clips, maybe six or eight inches long. You'll get four or five flowers on each clip and put you know, a couple in the dining room, a couple in the kitchen, one in the bedroom, and you'll be able to smell one whenever you walk through the house. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd like to give Paula some tips. <laughs> All right, you real quickly. We've got two minutes well, here. Well, I had so always heard tips? that it was very hard, and I put it on the north side. It's on the northwest corner of my house, yeah. so it's protected, and it slopes downhill, and it's right next to a concrete pad, so I guess it gets enough heat from that, and it's just taken off and done beautifully. Any special planting soil or anything, Diane? Nothing. 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 I'm, it's just hard old clay. Well, it's got some um, pine straw and you know debris from the yard in there, but I didn't put any <laughs> amendments or anything in there. It's <laughs> it's funny you say that because I have the exact same experience. I have, I told Paula, I have two that are at least ten or twelve years old that are planted with the utmost care, the utmost attention to how I mix the soil and the sand and the organic matter and all the big hole, et cetera, et cetera. And then the one down the street that my neighbor planted about a year after. After mine in sorry old clay, hot as blue blazes location, and his blooms just as nicely as mine does. So, what are we going to say? We're going to say sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you got to hold your mouth right, and everything comes after that. Absolutely. Just pray over it. Pray over it a little bit. Just a little, hi, y'all, let's get the Daphne. Oh, yeah, exactly. We'll see about that. Well, thank you so much, Walter. You bet, Diane. Thanks so much for calling. So, Paula, I have on my rest, on my uh, website at walterreeves.com, if you type the word Daphne, there's very likely going to come up with a page that has my special soil where I dug out the great big hole and I put it all in a wheelbarrow and I mix it with the sand and the uh, nature's helper and the amendments right. and then a little bit of phosphorus and I put my Daphne's in there. Like I say, they're doing great, and the one down the street is doing great right now. So I know they're expensive to buy, but I think Pike had them on sale last weekend. So keep, a, keep your eyes open for sales and 
Come on, you can do it, Paul. I can do it, and you I'm going to use the uh, magic soil. Use a magic recipe and see if that does any better than Diane and her sorry clay soil out there and where she lives. It is 727 at News Talk WSB. In the next half hour, we're going to talk about strawberries, redwood trees. You can join us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 735, 29 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Welcome, friends. I hope you have a good garden question because we are here with good garden answers. Paula White is here from the Georgia Perennial Plant Association, and we're answering questions about just about anything that comes up. Paula, though, particularly is here to talk about the Perennial Plant Symposium, once a year event that has speakers from all over the country about different topics. And we might go over one more time some of the topics that are going to be covered, Paula. Thank you, Walter. First of all, if you're interested, you can register for the symposium at atlantabg.org. The cost is $79 for garden and GPPA members, $89 for non-members. We're very excited to have Mark Wethington, who's the director of the J.C. Ralston Gardening. Mm -hmm. Uh, J.C. Ralston Arboretum is going to talk about gardening in the South specifically stunning Chefalera and Elegant Edge Worthia. Uh, we're very excited to have Andrew Bunting from He's the a sh- nice guy. He is a nice guy. A super nice guy. And he is a magnolia expert, yeah. the South's favorite tree. And he will be talking about planting magnolias in your garden, which will be a lot of fun and interest. Paul Zamet from Toronto is an expert in container gardening. His containers win prizes all over the world, and he will be showing us and telling us how to plant a container with four seasons of interest. And finally, our very own Jenny Cruz Sanders from the Atlanta Botanical Garden will be talking about plant conservation, the conservation of rare plants in the South. Jenny has won a number of prizes recently from a variety of conservation societies and from the government, and we're very excited to hear her talk about this subject. And she is so good. We had her on TV Mm, eight years ago, ten years ago, maybe, and we just took a pitcher plant down in the pitcher plant bog mm-hmm. and opened it up, and she was so knowledgeable. We took that thing and laid it out, and she said, okay, this is a bug, and blah, blah, blah. This is why yeah. the bug came in here. This is how the pitcher plant works. She was terrific. She is She's a fabulous. great speaker. Yeah. You should also know, Jenny, uh, unfortunately for Atlanta, but great for the state of Georgia, will be leaving the Atlanta Botanical Garden and becoming the director of the Georgia State Botanical Garden in Athens. Yeah. Right. This month. Good luck for them and good good addition to the staff over there. Exactly. But she'll be at the Perennial Plant Symposium, which is February the 25th. And give us the website again. It is atlantabg.org. Okay. Atlanta, I'm sorry, Atlanta Botanical. <laughs> Atlanta Botanical Garden.org. That yes. That sounds probably more yes, close it's to Atlanta Botanical Atlantabg.org. Atlantabg.org. So right. they've shortened it, so it's just BG, not Botanical you, Garden. Easy to remember just the BG part right there. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll talk more about the Perennial Plant Symposium with Paula in a little bit. Let's go to the phones. Gerald, 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 join us on Lawn and Garden, Gerald. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing this morning, Walter? All right, what's up, Gerald? Listen, I'm wanting to start uh, some strawberries. I have a plant 
a place that I prepared for them, and I'm wanting to start a strawberry garden, um, but I don't know what is the proper time to start those plants. Right now, today. Right now, today. Okay. <laughs> um, do I need, is the soil, does it need to be acidic, neutral? What is the pH for mm, them to thrive the best? They can tolerate most soils, but anywhere between, if you want to really get it down to the real nitty-gritty, 6.0 to 7.0 is about where they are happiest for soil pH. Perfect. And full sun? Um, Absolute full I, sun. Full yeah, my, sun. My granddad used to have the most beautiful strawberry patch, and he would put organics around the bottom uh, leaf mulch, if you will, yeah. um, around the plants, I guess, just to keep the roots moist. Um, but that pretty much answers my question. I will get those plants in the ground right now. Let me give you some hints and tips and things, Gerald, for just a minute here. You'll plant the plant, and I hesitate to say this, but some gardeners say that the first year of planting after a strawberry is in the ground, you should pull off the flowers and not harvest any strawberries so you'll have a good root system. Gerald, I can't do that. I have to have strawberries if I planted the darn thing. So I will at least have half a mess or more of strawberries before I start removing any flowers off the thing. But then during the summer, after you've had your strawberries, you'll have little daughter plants that will come out from the mother plant. And they come on little runners about mm, six or eight inches long, I guess. And each one of those daughter plants, if you'll peg it down with a little stone or a hat pin or something like that so it gets real good contact with the soil and then just float on top of the mulch, then they will root, and that will make your patch get bigger every year. Finally, the mother plant in a year or two will sort of dry up and go away, and the daughter plants will take over. Then they'll have granddaughter plants that will spread out into new parts of the patch there. And so if you manage it correctly, you'll have strawberry patches that last for years and years and years. Perfect, perfect. That's kind of where I'm going with it. All right, then. I appreciate the information, buddy. You bet. Thanks for calling, Gerald. Uh-huh. Thank you. We've got uh, Tony in Springfield, Ohio. Tony, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tony. Hey, Walter. How are you this morning? I'm great. What can I do for you? Well, every year uh, when our grow season starts up here, my wife plants the flowers in her flower gardens. Um, it's a battle with thistles, yeah. the thistle weeds every year. Yeah. So we you know, we do the typical stuff you can buy at most Walmarts or the Myers up here and put the cream down, um, and it doesn't work. So what can we do to limit these thistles that grow every year? Actually, they grow better than the flower. Yeah, every sure. Year. Thistles are a miserable weed, uh, not only because they're stickery, thornery, thornery, but because they have lots of seeds on them, and the seeds go spread everywhere in the garden. What are you going to do with them then? The preen is not going to do anything to prevent their germination. Just doesn't okay. seem to work at all. The only thing that I have found that works on thistles is to be a very, very good at identifying the little seedlings when they're little bitty guys, when they're just that little rosette that's two or three inches in diameter, you know, just the little guys. You can yeah. barely see them on the ground. And then to go in there with a little immediate squirt with Roundup. I have a little spray bottle that I use for emergent things like poison ivy and uh, curly dock and some of the, uh, um, what do we have, the, 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 the phytolaca, uh, pokeberry, pokeberry. I don't know if you have pokeberry okay. in Ohio or not, but we do down here. But when I see that first leaf come up, psst, there goes the Roundup, psst, here and there. Okay. And so that's really and truly the only way I've found to control thistles is just being vigilant and insistent about getting a little tiny bit of herbicide on the leaves when they're young. 
Okay. Very good, Walter. Thanks for the information. All right. Good luck for it, Tony. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. It's 42 minutes past the hour, 7 o'clock. Martha and Marietta joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Martha. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. How can I help? I need to replace the shrubs in front of my house, yeah. and I just want to know what you think would be the best to plant. Hmm. Lots of sun, lots of shade. What do you think? Lots of shade. We had some laurels and some azaleas that did well for years, and then they just got kind of ugly, and I chopped them down, (laughs) hoping they would grow back pretty, and And, they didn't. Yeah, with no sun, they were particularly limited. All right, I'm going to look over at Paula and say, Paula White, we're talking shade here, and shrubs to grow in the shade. There are not that many that will grow in the shade for foundation plants in front of a house. No, and I'm assuming she wants evergreen. Yeah, more yes, than likely, please. yeah. Um, we had boxwoods before we replaced those, mm-hmm. and they did well, but they're just not that great. Well, with the boxwood blight, you probably don't want to plant boxwoods Yeah, boxwood now. blight disease is really mm, a big thing to worry about. Now, I'll tell you a plant that you're going to think I'm dumb for suggesting, but works <laughs> just great for okay. sort of a foundation plant and even maybe mixed in with some other things, and that's autumn fern. Hmm? Plain Ooh. old evergreen autumn fern. I know it doesn't look like a shrub. I know it's a fern, but it's evergreen. It grows three feet high. It looks just like a foundation plant, so you could break the box there and plant a fern out there, Martha, and let your neighbors say whatever they say. We don't care. That sounds beautiful. I like ferns. The other possibility, still thinking of shade loving here, might be the new, is it soft caress mahonia? Soft caress soft mahonia. Soft caress mahonia mm-hmm. has very soft leaves. And if you know anything about mahonias, Martha, you think, I don't want some straggly old plant with thorns on the leaves. I don't want to have that in my, underneath my windows. But soft caress, <laughs> all right, soft caress is not like the other mahonias. It'll snag you and stick you and make you say ugly words. Soft okay. caress has these little thin willow-like leaves, and it can take, I think, a good bit of shade. Oh, what about um, what about anise? Anise is a good idea. A n i s e anise, Martha. The spice. Nope. Well, <laughs> there is a spice called anise, but we're talking about anise, the shrub. Okay. So anise is a possibility as well. All right. Um, what about yews? Ah, oh, man, do they grow here very well for you? Paula? I don't know. I I have a, a a short border of them around the front of part of my house. A real taxis, a real yew. It's a real. It's a taxis. Yes, okay. and they're, they're they're doing quite. They do very well. All right, you got to you got to vote for you. Paula, Y-E-W, you. Y-E-W, okay. For Martha. Um, let's see, is there anything else I can think in here? I'm trying to think. There are a number of dwarf conifers. Uh, not in the shade. Yeah, I've got some shade conifers. Like what? I've got a spreading, what is it? I think it's called a Russian cypress. Russian cypress. Where in the heck did you get that? One of these plant auctions. You went to a plant auction. It was the only one there, and you no, bought I got that. It. Where I you actually got, got it. it at Scottsdale Farms. Yeah, Scottsdale. Try that. Uh, you know, Martha, I don't have time to go through a full list right now, but great. one of the things great. that you could always get a lot of advice from local nurseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paula mentioned Scottsdale Farms up in Alpharetta. You've got your local pike nursery. And if you go on a morning when it's not busy, don't go on Saturday morning. Go on Tuesday morning. Okay. when they're loading in the new plants and just 
find somebody and say, I've got here are the pictures of the front of my house. It's full shade or got this much sunshine and here's the conditions I'm growing in. Let's walk around for a minute and point to me the things you think would grow. And you. you get some advice from somebody there on the ground at a nursery and they can sometimes get varieties that I don't know that might do okay. better for you than some that I do know. Well, thank you. I'm gonna go online and look at the pictures of these. These look great. Autumn fern. You'll be surprised how well okay. autumn fern will perform for you. Well, right. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Martha. Okay. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you have a garden question, get your question in now. Michael Shopping Horse from the uh, North Atlanta Home Show will be with us at 8 o'clock this morning to talk about that. And we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's going to be about 20 degrees warmer today than it is right now. It's 30 degrees outside, 51, 52 degrees this afternoon, 58 or 9 maybe tomorrow afternoon, which would be nice. Uh, sunny both days, no rain in the forecast, of course. Before weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Uh, Deacon in Roswell, Georgia joins us. Deacon, hey, good morning. Deacon? Are you there? I think Deacon has gone away to be at church services right now, so let's go to uh, Terry and Buckhead. Terry, join us on the Lawn and Garden Show. Hey, good morning. How hey, are you? Hey, Terry. Doing great. What can we do for you? Um, I'm in the little town of Buckhead, Georgia, the original Buckhead. Way out there near Etonton, Georgia, and Madison, that, Georgia. That would be... <laughs> and anyway, I'm kind of new to the area. I'm a fisherman, and I've been told that the time to fish for a certain fish and where is when the dogwood first begins to bud. Not blossom, but right. just bud. Right. I don't have a dogwood. <laughs> so, uh, do you know generally when that is? Well, I know that in Atlanta, the pe people who have asked me on the show say, when is the height of the dogwood bloom? And I say, well, the first week in April, usually it's consistently going to be a nice dogwood blooming time. This year, of course, being a little warm in the early part of the of the winter, Terry, it's right. going to be a little earlier, I think, this year. Maybe the last week of March will be when they're in full bloom. All right, so budding. Let's go back to that. I'm thinking the buds will begin to swell and show a little bit of color around the first week of March would be my guess. Okay. What fish are you looking for around dogwood budding time? Uh, they start moving into uh, the Appalachian River to... to uh uh, spawn uh, white bass and striped bass. Oh, okay. And they move from the lake up into the river to spawn. So, phenology. Uh, there's a there's a whole branch of science. You don't may not know this, Terry, but there's a whole branch of science called phenology, and phenology has to do with seeing when plants do certain things that tells you to do something else. And here in the metro Atlanta area, we would put pre-emergence out to keep the weeds from sprouting in our lawns. And many times people will say, when is the forsythia in bloom? Because when the forsythia is in bloom, that's when to put the pre-emergent out. So you're, you don't know this, but you're an amateur phenologist in learning when the dogwood buds, and that's when the fish do what they're supposed to do. Okay. Now, do dogwoods make a good shade tree? Yeah, sure. Okay, because I'm I got a place with full spun, uh, sun, and uh, I was thinking maybe a dogwood. Then I'm not going to give you that, Terry. Full sun is not going to be the 
most wonderful place for a dogwood to go. They would prefer to be a little bit of shade on them in the afternoon. Okay. If you want a shade tree, my honest opinion is any of the red maples are going to give you fast growth and shade within five years, and you're not going to be able to hang a swing from it, but you at least put your lawn chair underneath in the afternoon and be in the shade after five years. So any red maple you can find at a nursery I think would do great. That's great. Um, one more, you said herbicide. One more question, if yeah. you don't mind. Sure. Um, uh, things are already popping up in my yard, as you well know. Yeah. And uh, I usually put down a, a herbicide to prevent, you know, pre-emergent. Okay. Uh, is it too late? Mm, it's too late for all the weeds that are up now green right. because they're already up, and so you can't put a pre-emergent on the right. ones that are already sprouted. And as far as the pre-emergent for the summer weeds, it's too early. Wait till the first week in March is about the right time for you. Okay, so not now. Not much now. The only thing, if you wanted to do something, Terry, now would be get a broadleaf weed killer, something that hits weeds when they're already out of the ground, which many weeds are right now, the chickweed and the uh, pennywort, dollarweed, dead nettle, bunches of them are out of the ground right now. And you can spray over the top with one of the post-emergent weed killers, the uh, weed beater that Pike sells does a great job, the Orthomax, the... Um, what is it called? The uh, Bayer season-long weed control. All those you can get sprays, put it over the top, read the label, of course, make sure it can be used on the grass you have without hurting it. But you can control a lot of broadleaf weeds right now with an over-the-top spray. And because we had such a weird dry fall, many of the pre-emergent applications that folks put out back in September when that man on the radio was saying, put your pre-emergent out now, and there was no rain from then until December, I think the pre-emergence pretty well disappeared and didn't do any effect on the weeds at all. So now they're all sprouting up. And so the best you can do now is to do post-emergent weed control. Pulling them is fine if you have a few weeds, but if you have a lawn full of broadleaf weeds, I think an over-the-top spray. Not a weed and feed, just weed control is all we're trying to do right now. Not feeding anything, just weed control right now. All right, 7.58 at News Talk WSB. Michael Schopenhorst. From the Atlanta Home Show will be with us after the top of the hour. And we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden with Paula White from the Georgia Perennial Plant Association. After news. Say, 